All right, my friends, we are at the end of this season. It was a little bit of an unorthodox topic for me, sort of. I mean, I love business. You guys have probably heard me say before, business is one of my biggest passions right up there with homesteading, but I haven't really devoted a lot of content around it, just here and there. So this season was a little bit different. I decided to go all the way in to the topic of homestead entrepreneurship and homestead business because I was seeing so many of you guys look at that as a next step for you and what you're doing around your own homestead dreams. And so it's been a fantastic season. Um, I will say the next season after we take our little break will be more of our traditional topics. I've had a few people ask, you know, is this going to become a full-time business podcast? I'm like, no, we'll, we'll talk about it occasionally, but we're still going to talk about canning and food preservation and cooking and chickens and, you know, the whole gamut of homestead topics. Uh, but I've really enjoyed this season and getting to talk to some really smart people. And I hope you've gotten as much out of it as I have being the interviewer. But I wanted to wrap it up uh, with a little bit of a soda fountain update. So if you recall, back at the beginning of the season, I kicked it off by announcing that we had done something utterly insane. We had purchased an old 100-year-old rundown soda fountain in the tiny little tiny, tiny, tiny town north of us. And uh, I, I shared some of our motivations behind that. If you want the scoop, you can go back and listen to that first episode in this season. But it's been roughly 60 days-ish. Well, by the time you listen to this, it will be, since we have taken ownership. And I thought it would be fun to give you an update on how things are going. So there's been a lot of lessons. I knew there would be. I you know, I'm not surprised how many things I've learned and how many things we've already overcome in 60 days. So in today's episode, I want to share some of those with you. And I think you'll find that these apply to what you're doing right now in your life, whether you're a business owner or not, you're just a homesteader and doing your homestead thing. These are kind of universal. So um, I think you'll get some good nuggets from today's episode regardless. You're listening to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast where ambitious people master the art of returning to their roots. Have you found yourself disenchanted with society or wishing you could opt out of the rat race? Perhaps you're craving a life that's meaningful and tangible, a life where you can create and produce instead of merely consume. I am Jill Winger, best-selling author and longtime homesteader. Over the last 10 years, I have helped thousands of families create more connection, grow amazing organic food, and find the ultimate fulfillment through an old-fashioned lifestyle. And I can do the same for you. Now, on to our episode. Okay, so I first just have to say before I get started, if you hear some background noise, it's Christian's fault. <laughs> so we have this office. Uh, if you have ever, on, if you're on coaching calls with me, you see me sitting in a room with like a brick wall or you'll, you know, I'm recording this podcast in this office. The, that room that you see me in is actually in our shop, believe it or not. We have built a nice little office in the corner of our shop. But like when I walk out the door, it's a shop. There's lifts for vehicles and tons of tools and concrete floors. So when I'm out here recording podcasts, I usually like tell the whole family, do not come in the shop, don't open the door, don't turn on the music, because the kids like to come in here and turn the music on loud and ride their bikes and stuff. And usually goes pretty good. But today, I, I told Christian that I'm like, I'm recording a podcast. And he's like, well, I'm getting the baler ready. So you're just gonna have to deal with it. So we're starting haying this week and the baler needs to be fixed because baler's all they do is break. That's really the whole point of having a baler is so you can fix it. <laughs> I'm just 
Does anybody know what I'm talking about? If you, hey, you probably know what I'm talking about. I'm like, go to Christian constantly. And I'm like, does the bailer actually ever run? And it's a nice bailer. It's not a junk bailer. But I'm like, all we do is fix it. And he's like, this is how it goes, honey. Anyway, I'm on a rabbit trail. But if you hear a wrench hit the floor or the rumble of a tractor engine, um, that's what it is. So I hope it doesn't hurt the audio quality too much, but I wanted to give you fair warning because real life, baby, real life. Okay, back to the soda fountain. Um, it's been just shy of 60 days. Holy moly, what a ride already. Um, we closed April 21st. So depending on when you're listening to this episode, that kind of gives you a, a ballpark. April 21st, 2021. That'll give you kind of a ballpark of knowing what the timeline is. And as I explained on that first episode of the season, we just dove in head first because that's kind of the only way we know how to do things. I do want to say in my own defense, because there's been interesting feedback online, as there always is. Like, I didn't expect anything different. Um, but, you know, as I've put, put our dreams and our goals and our plans out there, I like to be vulnerable. I do, because I feel like it's really important. And you guys aren't going to, well, I mean, let me let me say it like this. I don't relate to people if they look like they always have it all together and they never have problems. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate someone who is honest and real and vulnerable with what's actually happening behind the scenes. And so part of what I like to do when I'm creating podcasts for you or videos or Instagram posts or whatever is I, I like to show you those pieces where I, I do feel scared or I do feel confused or I do feel overwhelmed because those are normal feelings that anyone who is actually doing something and not just sitting around and watching Netflix, we're all going to have those feelings. And I want you guys to feel like you're not alone when you feel overwhelmed or nauseous because you just did something big and exciting or like your friends don't get you. I want you to know you're not alone. So I share those pieces of our life for those reasons. Um, and most of the time, like 99% of the time, people get it and connect to it and relate to it. And we had so much positive, amazing feedback from folks about the Soda Fountain online. It's been wonderful and extremely encouraging to me. But of course, <laughs> there's always the people who will take advantage of the chinks they may see in your armor, right? That's just how humans roll. It's nothing to be freaked out about, but I just always know to expect that. So it's been a little bit funny um, as I did some YouTube videos on the soda fountain and posted about it here and there and saying, you know, hey guys, we've never owned a restaurant before. We're basically flying blind. Uh, I actually had someone write a comment and say, oh my gosh, you're making a huge mistake. You should never do this. You need to stop what you're doing and go like take a class or go to restaurant school and you're going to mess everything up and it's going to crash and burn. And I'm like, hmm, thank you for that. That is very reassuring. <laughs> really appreciate that comment. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to say for those of you who are looking at us and, and I'm offering this bit of uh, background info, not in a defense because I don't feel like I have to defend myself, but uh, more just so you know, our thought process, when we do something out of our comfort zone, because we do it a lot. I'm a big fan of comfort zone busting. There's still a process we go through to make sure we don't completely screw ourselves over. Like there's always risk, absolutely, but we still do some due diligence. So we closed April 1st. We did dive in. This is big. We bit off a lot, but we still have coaches, right? We have some people we trust in our life that know a lot, know more than us, that have been guiding us and mentoring us throughout the process. 
Um, we have folks who've helped us do cash flow analysis on the business. We've gotten advice on how to depreciate assets. We are tying all of those bits and pieces to the growth and profitability of this business. I'm looking at this. It's not going to be, um, how do I say this? This is not a get rich quick thing, this restaurant. Uh-uh, no way. I do not expect it to be that, but I do want it to be profitable because everything we invest in, even if it's a long-term play, I'm doing it with a business eye, right? I'm not doing this just, just for the heck of it and not looking at numbers. Like we have spreadsheets, we have numbers, we have uh, profitability and revenue, and I'm learning how, how pricing works as far as with, I know how pricing works with other things, but with restaurant menus and getting our food costs down and making sure our labor costs are in the right range. So I'm learning all those things. And, um, you know, I have experience from leading teams in doTERRA as far as working with people and management and crucial conversations and personality styles and, and marketing, all that piece comes from my blog. So we're not completely um, flying blind, but, you know, we've done our due diligence. We know we have some skills. We're going to use that as a springboard moving forward. But all that being said, there's still an element of fear that comes. And I felt that fear heavily over the last 60 days. I'll have waves. I'll have days where I'm like, we're, we're killing it. We're doing so good. This is going to change Wyoming forever. And then there's other days I'm like, this is horrible. What have we done? We're crazy. I can't believe we did this. And I feel like that's normal. And I will continue like I've done in previous episodes. I'm going to normalize the ups and downs of that entrepreneur comfort zone busting journey till the day I die. Because I didn't hear that enough when I was starting out as an entrepreneur. And it was harder than it should have been because I felt like I was the only freak out there who was feeling like that. So I will always be the one. If you want to come talk about how scared you are to get out of your comfort zone, but you're doing it anyway, I'm your girl. I will always have that conversation with you because I feel like it is so important. And it just takes the scariness out when you speak it. Um, anyway, that was a little bit of a rabbit trail. But I guess I just wanted to say, get out of your comfort zone, take risks, but also don't be an idiot about it. <laughs> I'm not trying to say that in a mean way. Do it in a way that is, you know, you've done some research, you've done your homework, right? And that's what we've tried to do to the best of our ability. So lest you think we're completely out of our league. We're partially out of our league, but we still have some pretty cool tools in our pocket. And I do have an understanding of, of business. And the thing that's been pretty cool is to see basically this education I've given myself from these years of building an online business, the blogging and the products we've created in the marketing and the teams we've built and the employees, like that's definitely not owning a restaurant, but a lot of those skills have carried over or are carrying over. And there's still some things that haven't carried over, but um, business is business. And so that's been pretty cool to see that the education, my self-taught stuff is paying off. Okay. But all of that to say, there are four, I don't know if I'd call these lessons or takeaways or revelations, but I just wanted to share them with you today because these have been surprising or important for me to be learning or remembering over the last 60 days. And I think that this might be helpful for you too, even if you're just building a homestead or you're starting a business, but uh, just some principles. So here we go. Number one, this one annoys me still, but it is a lesson I am learning. It takes longer than you think to build stuff. I wish that was not the case. I truly do. <laughs> I like things fast, to move fast, to get done fast, that's my jam. And I'm pretty good at going fast and getting things done for the most part. But there's sometimes you just can't make it happen. 
especially right now with everything either being out of stock or slow to ship, or, you know, we can't get lumber for less than $500 a board. Like that kind of whole jam is slowing everybody down and contractors are harder than ever to get a hold of. Like we honestly, this, this may, uh, you may laugh at this. I'm going to tell you anyway, we had kind of hoped that we would get the bulk of the remodel done on the soda fountain in the first 30 days. Like we actually had those conversations before we closed. Uh, do you want to know how much remodeling has been done uh, on now we're 60 days in almost zero. Now we've done a lot there. We have our, a commercial freezer that just went up and got running two days ago. That was a big win because they've never had a commercial freezer. They've just used residential freezers, which is not necessarily even allowed, but they somehow were allowed to do that. But it's ideal. It's not ideal, right? So we have a commercial freezer. Um, and we've cleaned up a ton, like a ton. We've hauled away a lot of just clutter and we've cleaned and the employees have cleaned and we're starting to work on those things. But I was hoping to have the kitchen almost done by now and it hasn't even been started. And part of that is out of our control with like contractors and suppliers. Part of that is because there's a lot more red tape you know, then you, we I always underestimate the red tape. I'm like, oh, we'll just submit our plans to the county inspector or the fire marshal and they'll just sign off. Well, no, anyone who's been in construction is probably laughing as I said that. There's always something they're going to be like, oh, we need more information. This isn't approved. You have to, you have to do the dance. So right now we're doing the dance with the fire marshal. We're, we're close, but it just takes time. And so another piece of that is I am a stickler for deadlines. I will keep a deadline almost if it kills me. And that is not necessarily, I mean, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's actually a detriment in my character because I will run myself ragged. I think of the stories of um, horses like back in the day when someone was trying to escape danger or, you know, try to send a message in these Pony Express guys or these messengers would ride their horse so hard that their, their horse would literally just die under them from exhaustion. But the horse would keep going. The horse had so much heart that it would keep going till it literally died. I feel like I have something in common with those horses and that's not always a good thing. I, I have to remind myself just because I put a self-imposed deadline on, it doesn't mean I have to kill myself to keep it all the time. Sometimes it's worth doing that, but not always. And so I've had to reevaluate a little bit with our deadlines on the soda fountain we are still pushing hard for the kitchen because it's important for the health of the business and the bottom line of the business to get the kitchen done quickly. But do I have to do it in 30 days and, you know, blow up my marriage and my personal life and never see my kids to do that? Probably not. Probably that that is a self-imposed deadline that may not be realistic. So that's been a hard lesson, but also it's good. We're still making really good progress, um, but it doesn't necessarily always happen like we want. And that applies to your homesteads too, Right. I know a lot of you are buying homesteads or you've bought homesteads recently and you want all of it done yesterday. Sometimes that works, but a lot of times it's a little bit slower. And I still think we need to, to push ourselves to continue with progress and expansion, but it doesn't always have to be everything at once. So um, anyway, that was a big one. That was a hard one for me. I've been definitely dealing with impatience lately, but it's coming and it will be good when it's done. And someday down the road, it'll be all finished. And I won't even remember what it was like to be worried about this paperwork getting signed and this guy signing off on this and that. So part of the process. Summer is basically here and we're all spending way more time outside working in the garden. 
and around the barnyard. And one of the things I love to treat myself with at the end of a long day of working on the homestead is a sweet drink when I sit out on the back porch and watch the sun go down. Now, this may be a little bit of a surprise to you, but I kind of like Coke and other pops and sodas, but I do try to avoid them. And one of the ways I do that is by playing around with different flavors of iced tea. I like to add a little stevia or honey or maple syrup, a whole bunch of ice, and everybody is happy, even the kids. However, I have learned that not all teas are created equal. A lot of the teas that you might find at the grocery store have been treated with pesticides or they're packaged in bleached tea bags or they're loaded with a bunch of artificial junk. Thankfully, I have found some organic loose leaf teas that are amazing. The Positively Tea Company is family owned and operated and they take their tea very seriously. They have zero added sugars, but the taste and quality are amazing. Plus, their prices are hard to beat. I especially love the value of the one pound bags, which means you're basically getting four times the tea for only twice the price. So to grab your loose leaf teas for your summer nights on the homestead or the back porch, head on over to theprairiehomestead.com slash tea, and you can get an additional 10% off your entire order with the code homestead. And now back to our episode. Revelation, whatever lesson thing, number two. This is really applicable for entrepreneurs, especially. It's really important as you add more things to your portfolio, more businesses, more responsibilities, that we stop always working inside of the business. And this is a lesson that I have been learning, often with the help of my coaches and mentors over the last number of years. And I'm really glad that I had at least somewhat of a handle on it before we bought the soda fountain. Um, I've had a lot of folks say, gosh, Jill, I just don't know how you're going to be in there cooking all day and in there waitressing. And I'll also homeschool your kids and do your garden and run your online stuff. And I'm like, well, hold on. I'm not going to be doing those things because we're operating in, in a ownership role, not as an employee role. And that doesn't doesn't mean there there have been days where I'm in there. I am washing dishes. I am cleaning toilets. I am bussing tables. I am waitressing. That is not only just to help take some pressure off the girls. We've had some really busy weekends, which has been great, but I didn't want to stress the girls out um, and make them, you know, do all the things at once. But I also needed to understand as the owner, the flow of this business, because there's some inefficiencies that we're working on optimizing. And so part of me understanding that is like, I could get some of that information from talking to the employees and watching. But for me, honestly, I needed to kind of be in there for a couple hours at a time and just see, you know, how do people come in? Are they coming in and being greeted? Um, how is our dishwashing thing? Is this causing inefficiencies and slowdowns with how the milkshakes are being made? And all oh, the cooking equipment we're using is not optimal and it's causing, you know, the fryer is so tiny, it's causing major backup with the rest of the orders and it's causing unhappy employees and disgruntled customers. So I just needed to see that to be able to problem solve. Not, not all of it. Some of it I can gather other places, but that's been important. But for the most part, you know, I don't plan on working there. Part of me as a business owner is hiring that out and delegating where possible. And that was a hard lesson. Like I said, at the beginning, I would have wanted, you know, five, eight years ago, I would have insisted on being there every day, making all the biscuits, making all the milkshakes. And I'm now much more at peace operating out 
from that ownership role. And if you look at any big successful entrepreneur, you know, look at the, the sharks on Shark Tank. If you watch Shark Tank, we love that show at our house. They have their fingers in a million different pies, but they're not in there working necessarily in each business. They're taking that visionary role. They're pushing and, and inspiring the business forward, but more from that bird's eye view. And so that's been crucial for me to learn. I'm glad I learned that prior. It's hard for someone like me, and I'm guessing someone like you, because if you're a homestead-minded person, you're a DIYer. Man, you are a do-it-yourself, or you're like, get out of my way. I can do it. I don't need help. I don't need to hire this out. And I resonate with that so much. But in order to take my businesses to the next level, I've had to let go of that. And it's a good thing. So I'm learning how to continue to work on the business, but not in the business all the time. Okay, number three. This one's been kind of fun. Well, it's in the process of being fun. I'm still working at a lot of this. But small, specific tweaks can really improve your bottom line. It, it really matters. And I noticed this with my, I learned this lesson with my courses and what I do online with my website, like how important phrasing is on a sales page if I'm doing online work, how important it is to have clean, crisp pages, whether it's my website or it's a, a page where I'm communicating a product for sale. Like it needs to, to flow with the eye. It can't be confusing. We need to have minimal text. We need to have it be scannable and readable. All of those little tweaks can make massive differences in how your business grows or how it doesn't grow. And I have honed that for a decade, learning how to make sure that people don't get stuck and sometimes we don't even realize our customers are getting stuck or they don't even realize they themselves are getting stuck, but they just feel this dissonance in their brain and it causes them to step away or click away or not want to engage with our business. And so I've taken that understanding into the soda fountain, doing things like improving signs, right? Improving flow of when people come in, do they know that they should seat themselves? Um, what if the the gal working at the counter isn't, you know, she's in the back and she doesn't see them come in and she's not able to greet them? Do they understand that they can come to the bar? Do they know where the menus are? Um, that's been really helpful. And I feel like even those small tweaks already have caused just higher customer satisfaction, more flow within the business. And just being able to optimize those things can have a huge effect in the long run. And even though right now it feels like we have so much to do with the soda fountain, it's formidable. Like there's so many aspects that need worked on, you know, the exterior paint, interior paint, the floors and new kitchen equipment and the new kitchen and a new bathroom. But just even while I'm waiting for those things to come together, caring about those little tweaks and tweaks and just watching what I can do to make the experience better for the customers has already gone a long way. It's already helping. So that applies uh, a lot with any sort of business and even in your homestead, think about it. You know, if you are in your kitchen every day, let's say making cheese, for example, because I've been doing a lot of that, pay attention to where, what you're doing and how you're doing it. And what little tweaks can you make that will make it more efficient, that will reduce your dishes, that will make you enjoy it more? Uh, here's an example I, I realized yesterday. I was making cheese first thing in the morning every morning or almost every morning, which is great because I have a lot of energy in the mornings and it's, you know, getting something off my list. And some days mornings are ideal for cheese making, but other days it's been getting blazing hot in the afternoons. And so 
the best time for me to be out in the garden is in the morning. And what I was doing, and this is how my brain, I can kind of build myself into a box sometimes. I was like, well, you're not going to get out in the garden because you got to make the cheese and you got to make the cheese in the mornings because it's something that has to happen in the mornings. I don't know why it just does. So I was getting really grouchy and overwhelmed and stressed because I'm like, oh, the cheese is keeping me from my garden. And so I'm like, well, how can I change this? How can I tweak this a little bit? So I don't feel so much resentment around the cheese and the cheese doesn't feel so cumbersome. So I started bringing in a few different cheese techniques that didn't require so much stove stirring, standing there time. And this is silly, but this actually really helped. I decided on some days when it's going to be really hot, I'm going to move my cheese making into the afternoon because I don't want to be outside at one o'clock. It's too hot to be in the garden. So I'm like, why don't I go out first thing in the morning, ignore the milk at 8 a.m., just leave it alone. I can get my garden work done. I'll feel peace around that. And then I can come back in and do my cheese after lunch when it's hot. And I did that yesterday and it totally shifted my day. Again, I know that sounds so silly, but little tweaks they can make a huge difference in your peace level and also your bottom line. Okay, number four, this kind of ties into number three, but details matter. They really, really matter. You know, when we're building out something online, a course or an ebook, I want everything to be as cohesive as possible, right down to the thank you page. When they push, you know, I want to buy this or they push, yes, I'll give you my email address, my customers. I want them when they they see the thank you page. I don't want it to just be some weird black font on a plain white page that looks like a robot wrote it. I want it, even the thank you page to look like me and to have my voice and to have my colors and my my logo. I want the, the first email they get that confirms their email address to sound like me and to be personal. You know, all those details add up. And it's absolutely even more, maybe even more crucial or maybe the same crucial. I don't know. But for the the soda fountain, I'm noticing how important that is and is going to continue to be. And right now there's some, a lot of aspects of the soda fountain that aren't where I want them to be as far as the details go. Right. Um, so we're working on that and it's going to be a process, but you know, I was even, um, handing a customer a little basket of jam and, butter for their toast the other day. And the basket was kind of icky. And I'm like, you know what, let's, I'm going to get, put it on my list. Let's get a basket that says vintage soda fountain instead of red plastic. Those little things are so easy to overlook in our businesses, but they can add up to make that experience that sets you apart from the competition and ensures that people remember you and what you're doing versus just, you know, fading into the background. And on the previous episode to this one where I talked to Dana from Rural Revival, she said, you know, one of the ways we can get people to continue to come back to our rural businesses is to give them an experience. And I feel like one of those things, when, I'm, when I've had an experience, when I've been to an event or a trip or something like that, that I just couldn't stop thinking about, it was so cool and I, it was so memorable. The, one of the things that really made it for me was all the details and and just feeling like we were immersed in something special and unique and having that full body experience that sticks in our brains. And so whether you're creating a website or an ebook or a course, or you are owning a restaurant or a boutique, the details matter. What you have in the bathrooms matter. The signage matters. The fonts really, really matter. Um, I had, (laughs) I told the girls at the soda fountain, I'm like, guys, I, I don't draw a lot of, a lot of hard lines in the sand. 
I don't, but I have to tell you, if any of you ever <laughs> use Comic Sans font, we're going to have a problem. And I was joking, of course, right? But like, I'm a big font person. Fonts say a lot. If you don't know what Comic Sans is, I'm sure you've seen it. You can Google it. It's the classic little kid bubbly font. It's a travesty and should never be used. It should be banned. Just saying. So anyway, fonts matter. Colors matter. Logos matter. What feel do you want to provide to your customers, whether they're coming to your farmer's market booth or your restaurant or your blog or your website? That can really make or break what you're doing. So those are my revelations. So far, I'm sure I will have many, many more. There have been definite... Um, roller coaster moments, even just in the last 60 days, there have been days where I'm like, we are killing this. This is amazing. I love it. And there's been days when I'm like, I don't know what we're doing and everybody hates us. And the feedback from the community has been wonderful. There's definitely been some not so wonderful feedback. And, um, I have definitely had some moments of frustration of, you know, everyone has an, an opinion and learning and reminding myself that, um, I'm not here to please everybody. In fact, I can't please everybody, no matter how passionate they may come across and how much they want to tell me what they think I should do or how something should never, ever change because we've always done it this one way and we can never um, think about it being any other way. I will say that makes me a little bit crazy, but it's good. It's, I'm, I'm learning a ton. I knew this would be a crash course in uh, restaurant ownership and it is, and it's great. So all that to say business is business I've learned. And I was really intimidated at first. I'm still a little intimidated, but I've come to realize that all my years online have really prepared me for this moment. And I'm not an official, official restaurateur yet. I wouldn't call myself that, but I will be someday, just like I've done everything else. We'll just continue to learn and grow and expand and get help when we need it. And it's an awesome journey. And it's one of the reasons that I I'm such a cheerleader for anyone else embarking on entrepreneurship. I don't know anything else that can grow you as a person as much as this. It'll show your weaknesses. It'll show you the parts of yourself that are just icky that you need to work on. It'll help you discover who you are and, and what you were put on this earth for. And it's a really good thing if you're called to it. So something that came to me as I was preparing for this episode, and you may or may not care or not, um, that's totally fine. But I want to throw this out there because I do love this topic. I, I love growing businesses, optimizing businesses, marketing. I, I love this. And I have developed a unique skill set around that over the years. And I really like to see other people thrive in this. So I feel compelled to offer something to anyone out there listening. If you are a successful business owner and successful doesn't necessarily mean a certain level of monetary success. It can just mean you have a business that is established and growing. I'm going to be offering a short but sweet intensive marketing enhancement bootcamp. So this is for folks who already have a business of some kind. You're just wanting to optimize it. Like we talked about, work on the details, work on the marketing message, work on the sales copy, work on making it more cohesive, work on solving your customers' problems in a more effective way, all, all of that kind of stuff. I don't know for sure when it'll start. It'll be sometime this summer, sometime sooner versus later, probably be between four and eight weeks. It'll be a group setting where we can bounce ideas off each other. And our goal throughout this will be to significantly increase um, your top line by helping with your marketing and 
all of how those pieces of your business business are working together. So I'm just throwing this out there. I don't know who will respond. We're just going to play it by ear. I'm going to see which who of you feel called to participate in this. It will be a small group. It will be very personalized. Um, this isn't going to be a mass thing where we have thousands of people in it. This is designed to be small and intimate. So if you feel like that's something that you are interested in, you're like, I need some help with the marketing and details of what I'm doing, send an email to me over at hello at theprairiehomestead.com. And just give me a little bit of info about what your business is and what you're needing help with. And we can go from there. And I just do want to share it. I do feel like this is going to be best suited for people who already have some sort of business established and that is moving and shaking. Um, We're going to take what you already have working and pour fuel on that fire, just like I've done in my other businesses. So this isn't really to help you create a wheel necessarily. This is to help you get your wheels to spin faster. So if you're still in that spot of, I don't know what I want to do as a business, but I really want a business, I would suggest that you check out the self-funded homestead program I created. Um, It has a lot of good trainings and stuff in there just to help you get clarity. And that's um, to be found over at the selffundedhomestead.com. And we'll drop a link to that in the show notes. But for those of you who are ready kind of for the the next level, I've done a lot of beginner business stuff and I'm, I'm ready, really ready to work with folks who already have something established so we can get really strategic. Reach out, hello at theprairiehomestead.com. Let's chat. Let's see if it's right for you. If it's not right for you, then cool. I, I don't want to work with you. If, if we're not a fit, we're not a fit. But let's just see where this idea takes us. And I'm excited to see um, who's, who shoots some emails over. So anyway, that is it for this episode, friends. That is it for this season. We are going to take a short break as we, my team and I prepare our next round of episodes behind the scenes. Um, I don't know if I should, I never know if I should tell you the theme of the next season or not. I'm going to tell you because I don't think it's going to change. I'm pr- we're pretty much for sure. It's going to be all on food preservation in-depth food preservation. We're going to have some awesome guests. I have some already on the books. If you know of a person on the internet who is a pro at some aspect of food preservation, and you'd like to hear me chat with them, shoot a message to me over on Instagram or to that email address, hello at theprairiehomestead.com. Drop their name, or maybe it's you. Maybe you are a pro at a certain aspect of food preservation. I'd love to chat. Let's see if if we can um, work something out. So That's where we're focused because food preservation season is upon us, or it will be very soon, depending on where you live. So that's it for this episode, friends. Thanks for following along on this season. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I hope you found inspiration as you are doing your own homestead entrepreneur thing. So wishing you the best, and I will always be here cheering you on.